Welcome back to our High Five, where we're gonna highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, our outreach team made it safely to Fort Myers, Florida, where they're helping homeowners impacted by Hurricane Ian. They've already finished work on two homes and have blessed the community with gift cards and Bibles. High five team, we're praying for you. In at number four, we here at One Church have many volunteers who are serving in their local outpost, loving their communities and praying for one. This high five goes out to all our current and future volunteers. We couldn't do this without you. If you or someone you know is interested in volunteering, head to church.one slash volunteer to get started today. Here at number three, our new group Embrace Grace meets at our Bedford Outpost Sundays at 1230. This group is for single and unexpectedly pregnant moms of any age. It's a safe space to receive God's love and find community. Too many single moms are walking alone, but you don't have to. Visit church.one slash groups to sign up today. Up at number two, Catherine has been attending our Manchester Outpost on Sunday mornings, and this past Sunday, she found herself ready to respond to what God was calling her to do and be baptized. Catherine claims the truth that her identity is in Christ, and we're all celebrating that with her today. High five, Catherine. And finally, up at number one, we're excited to hear that our Rutland Outpost, which opened its doors in December, has been seeing a growing number of people attend, connect, and serve. Today, we get to celebrate Nevaeh and Tabby, who were baptized this past Sunday. God is doing special things in their lives. We're so excited to celebrate you girls putting your faith in Jesus. Way to go, you guys. This high five goes out to you today. Thanks for joining us for our high five and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one. <clears throat> Will you pray with me? God, I pray that you speak to us today. Or better yet, I know, Lord, that you are always with us and speaking to us, Lord. I pray that you might give us ears to hear. So, Lord, whatever struggles, whatever we're going through, Lord, and we all know them, we know what, we know what we're facing as we walk into this place. Lord, I pray that you might, um, that we might know you as greater than anything that we go through. And so, Lord, open up our hearts to hear what you want to say to us. It's your name we pray. Amen. I actually think about this thought a lot, that today might be the last day you have. And I know that for some of you, that might sound like a morbid thing, but sometimes it helps temper me. It, it, it helps me think about, it helps me think about life. Um, because today we're talking about anger. And when I think about anger, like, and I think about that, like today could be the last day that, that we have. You're like, well, what a day, to, what a way to spend it. Like, like anger, angry or frustrated or bitter. When in reality, I don't, I don't think that's what God wants for us. I don't, I don't think we have to. Not only not that he wants for us, I don't think we have to live. I don't think we have to live in anger. And so we've been talking, we're going through a series called To Be Continued. And the truth is, it's not just anger. It could be any, any emotion that we're stuck in right now. And it's, the idea of to be continued is that God can meet you there. God can meet you in your fear. God can meet you in your anxiety. And God can meet you in your depression. He can meet you in all of those places. And, and he'll see you through it. Or he'll be with you, present, present with you in the midst of it. And he can be your peace, no matter what it is that you're facing. And, and so the challenge, I think, is, is to trust him and to say, okay, God, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek to know your presence with me now in this moment. And... and I'll keep walking. 
And I know that you who began a good work in me, that you'll see it through to the end. That's the to be continued part. <clears throat> and so in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 is our memory verse. Every, uh, every series we do a memory verse together, and, and we're going to say it together. Maybe you have it memorized by now, but um, it'll say this. It'll be up on the screen here in just a second. There it is. Will you say this together with me? Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. It'll go on to say, making the most of every opportunity. To make the most of every opportunity to seize the day, really. Like, like to take hold of today and to live it. And so God, help us. And maybe that's a prayer that you pray right now in your heart. Is like, God, help me to be careful how I live. Not as unwise, but as, as wise. Because so often, I've noticed moments and seasons of my life where my emotions can take over. I have a dog. She's a rather big dog. She's a Weimaraner. If, I don't know if you know that breed, but they're, they're, they're big, they're strong, and they're, they're kind of crazy. Um, they're kind of hard to control. And I don't walk her all that much. She, she gets to run free a lot. Um, but there's moments when I do. And sometimes I wonder if the people watching me walk her wonder who's actually in charge. I don't know if you have a dog like that, but man, she can take control. And like, she, if she wants to go that way, she'll just start going. I start going with her. And, and it's embarrassing sometimes because I'm thinking about me. I'm like, oh no, what are people thinking about me? I'm like, they're like, that dog is in control. Like, who, who, is, who is the owner there? And when I thought about that in terms of emotion, I thought about that in terms of the things that tend to control us. So like, sometimes we're going places that we don't want to go, but our emotions are in charge. Our feelings are in charge. And, and, and we, we, I don't, I, I, I say this somewhat, like, we tend to be in a feely culture right now where how we feel is, is the greatest truth that we live by. It's like, if I feel it, then it has to be true. And, and I get it, and I understand. Like, I, I understand, like, oh, yeah, our feelings are real. They certainly can be real. But I would also say if they're the controlling thing, if they're the things leading us, uh, boy, we're going to get in a lot of places. We're going to live in moments of depression. Our depression is going to control us. Our fears are going to control us. Our anxiety is going to control us. It's like, man, this, this thing is taking ownership of my life. And, and anger, too. Like, if that's the dog that's leading us, as like, man, anger can certainly take over in a lot of ways. And so Scripture will say, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity. He says, because the days are evil. The days are hard. Like, the day can, can punch you in the face, right? The, that's, I was thinking as we were singing that song, what a weird thought I had. It's like, the day can punch you in the face. And it can. It can. Life is hard. Like, the world we live in is a, is a tough world. And so what can happen is we can have all of these emotions that start to come out of living in a tough world. And that's not to deny that the world is tough at all. It's just saying, man, it is very quick and easy for my emotions to take over and for them to lead me in a place that I don't want to go. Because like, that's the truth about emotions. Like, it can lead you in places that you don't want to go and, and keep you stuck in places that you don't want to be stuck. And I would just say to you, like, to make it real, are you stuck today? Are you stuck in anger, in unforgiveness, in bitterness? Are you stuck in anxiety or fear or depression? And I know, I please know, I, I'm not presenting as those, there's easy solutions in the midst of it, but I do know that there's a solution among of all the things that we might need to do in the midst of it, and that is to, to lean into God and say, God, God, help me to trust in you that you who began a good work in me, that you're with me and you'll see me through it. And so we're talking about, we're talking about anger and it hits all of us. We all get angry, right? You get angry. Maybe you're angry right now and God's like, you're like, oh no, oh what, a, what a, oh no, I'm going to have to hear a message on anger. I don't, I don't want to hear a message on anger and arms get crossed and all of this stuff. Like, but anger hits us all. It hits us when we're young. We don't necessarily control it so well. Any of your kids get angry. 
they throw some temper tantrums. I remember this one time. I'll try my best to keep the anonymity. We were in our minivan and we were at the, we were at the bank. And one of my children had said, hey, Dad, can you make sure they get me a lollipop at the end? You, have, you know, this wonderful lollipop experience. And, and I'm like, OK, yeah, I'll, I'll remember. And, and we did the transaction. And eventually, uh, we, we got in the van, started driving, started driving away again. And I'd forgotten the lollipop. And it didn't take very long until a crayon box hit me in the back of the head. <laughs> you heard that right. A crayon box hit me in the back of the head. I'm like, did that just happen? You ever have that moment in your freeze? Like, did this really just happen? And what had happened is that one of my young ones had decided that the right solution, the right way to respond to dad not getting a lollipop was a crayon box in the back of his head. And so I pull over and I stop. And now I'm working through my own stuff, right? Because how, what do you do? What do you do after you, your, your, your four-year-old, two-year-old? I don't remember how old that person was. Um, I'm being careful. I don't remember, but I know that that, that can ramp up. Oh, man, you can start to ramp up very quickly. And I realized that sometimes that same two-slash-four-year-old reaction comes out of me in anger. Sometimes I got my own crayon box that I like to throw. Maybe you have your own crayon box that comes out. Maybe it comes out in words, or maybe it comes out in actions. Maybe it comes out in silence. Maybe it comes out, I mean, I don't know how it comes out, but we all have it in some sense. And it feels so good at the moment, doesn't it? Like, it feels like the right thing at the moment. Like the human, because feelings, if feelings are in control, then everything we do with our feelings would be right if, if we're going to live under that assumption. But you're like, after a few moments, you're like, no, I don't want to be known as the guy who throws crayon boxes at people's heads. Like, I re you realize, okay, maybe that's not it. And so we got to figure out what to do with our anger. And so the first thing in terms of anger, because there's something confusing about it, the first thing is to, to know that anger isn't a sin. It's an emotion. And so we can kind of get confused in a sense of, okay, I'm feeling this. Particularly like, like someone has done something to make you, someone has wronged you and you got that, or you're watching someone you love making wrong decisions and you're angry about it, or, or, or there's these situations that arise where you have this emotion and, we, and what can happen is we can start to feel guilty that we're feeling angry about something, right? Like we can like, oh, I'm not supposed to be angry about this. Well, maybe you are. Maybe that is the right response because sometimes our anger is our passion. Our passion might say, this is wrong. Someone needs to correct that and it might be a way that we're reacting to it. And so, so understanding that anger is not a sin, there's certain moments in scripture you start to see Jesus, God on earth, um, angry. But he learns how to do it in the right way. There's this moment where I meant to look this up. I think there's a, a, a guy who comes to him with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath, the day that they weren't supposed to do anything. And Jesus asked the, the religious leaders who were very important, very much like, oh, you can't break the Sabbath at all. And Jesus will ask them, which is better, to, to, to help someone on the Sabbath or to ignore it or do nothing? And, and they don't answer it. And I think Jesus is like, come on. Are you telling me we can't help someone on the Sabbath? And it says he got angry about it. He, he tells the guy to straighten his hand. The guy straightens his hand. Jesus heals on the Sabbath. They're all mad about it. And Jesus is like angry. Like, what's wrong with us? Where have we lost the sight of what God is wanting us to do? There's another moment in 
when the temple was a place where they would, people would come to worship God, and there was this place for the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people who could come worship God at the temple. It was like this a wonderful, inclusive thing in a lot of, in a lot of ways, the Jewish, the Jewish religion, but at the same time, Gentiles could come and worship and they had set up a marketplace within the area of prayer where the Gentiles would come. And Jesus is like, what are we doing? Are we building a marketplace here? And so he starts turning over the tables in the temple. He says, this is, this is not supposed to be here. My father's house to be a house of prayer. And a lot of, his, a lot of the reason is, is because they were overlooking the Gentiles. And like, you guys are forgetting these people. And you see him respond. You see a right response out of anger. And so anger is not a sin. Anger is an emotion that we have. Um, but sometimes it can lead us to Reactions. And I, I'll just say this, maybe it'll help jar your memory a bit. It's like, have you reacted in anger recently? Like, what did it look like and how did it come out? And so anger can this be this reaction that we have, but the challenge is to respond out of who we are. In Ephesians, we're in the book of Ephesians. Our memory verse came from Ephesians. Dan referenced Ephesians, and so we're in, we're in Ephesians today. It's a, it's a beautiful passage about God has made his people something new, which is really beautiful. If you are in Christ, you are new. You're something new. You're someone new. Chapter 2 will say, as for you, you were dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sin, like, like who you are and compared to who God is, man, <laughs> he, he had you. Like, like, like you did, you, we, could, we, we could not measure up, but, but God did something in sending Jesus for us and to us so that through him we could be made alive, and now he wants to do good works through us as his masterpiece. And so we're something new. And so a lot of Ephesians is about it's, 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 it's Jewish people who are following Jesus and non-Jewish people who are following Jesus. It's like, how do we get along? How do we create this new community? If you're new and I'm new, then how do we live in this new way of life? Well, what he'll say is part of what we have to do is we have to take off the old. And as I say that, I'm like, well, maybe some of you are here today and you're like, like living in the old, the old clothes, the old person. And somewhere, and I think it's in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, well, let's take off the old. Let's put away the old clothes. And you got old clothes. You got old clothes. You're like, there's the old ways that you used to behave before you knew Jesus, before you were this new thing. There's, there's, the, there's the emotions that you have and the reactions to all these emotions that you have. There's the addictions that you have and the things that you run after in the midst of those. It's all of the old. But he says, we've taken off the, taken off the old self. And this is a wonderful thing. It's not so much a command type of thing. It's a, you get to take off the old self. You don't have to be the old you anymore. He says, we put on the new self, which created to be in the image of Jesus. That's what we get to be together. And so, so now, how do we live as this new community? You see, the church is this beautiful, this beautiful moment where the church gets to live out the kingdom of God here on earth. And so it'll talk about how to live with each other in our relationships. Because the truth is, maybe you're angry at someone right now. Maybe there's someone that you're not forgiving right now. Maybe you're bitter right now. And maybe it's within your household, maybe it's within your marriage, maybe it's within your family, maybe it's within your, your, your church members, maybe it's, and what it'll say is, no, okay, now we're going to try to, we're going to seek in the power of God to live in this new community. And so this is some of the stuff that Paul will say to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 through 27, it says, in your anger, do not sin. In your anger, do not sin, and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Now, what strikes me about that 
It's funny, the translation of that is actually be angry but don't sin. But that would be a weird command. It would be a weird command for Scripture to say be angry or for Paul to say be angry but don't sin. But what it's really saying is like, like something hits your emotion, something hits you emotion, emotionally, be angry. You, you, you can have that feeling, you can have that emotion, but he says I want, you, I want to caution you that in your anger do not sin. And so it, it's not as though this problem of anger is the sole problem. It's the emotion that we have. It's okay, don't let it go too far. And my experience with anger is that is a thin line. And so we have to approach, approach anger cautiously of, okay, what am I, I'm, this is what I'm feeling. God, what do you want me to do about this? How do you want me to respond? Why am I feeling this? These prayers before God is like, why am I angry about this? And maybe it's a, a very real justified reason. It's okay, what, what do I do about it? Then I think there's this proactive side of anger. It's okay, how do I deal with this proactively? So I, I, I attack it cautiously. Okay, I'm going to be cautious. I'm feeling this. You're feeling Like you're in anger. Maybe you're in anger. And I, okay, I'm going to be cautious about it. Now I'm going to be proactive about it. He says, and here's what I want you to do. I don't want, do not let the sun go down on your anger. When I was first getting married, um, I think it was at our, our, our wedding shower, you know, before the marriage, where pe- we'd, people would write, like, these suggestions. And what, the one that, that came up the most is, like, don't go to bed angry. Any of you ever get that? Like, do, do not, you, know, you ever give that advice? Do not go to bed angry. Like, and, and I'm not sure if that always works. Like, I don't know if you solve everything before the sun goes down. And what it can cause is it can cause a lot of, sleep, a lot of sleeplessness. And so I'm not sure if it's a, a, a literal thing necessarily, but I do understand what it's saying. It's like... If you find yourself in anger, be careful that you don't stew over it. Be careful that you don't ignore it. Because sometimes we, sometimes we hold on to anger. And sometimes we can hold on to anger for a long time. And the thing about anger is, first off, it... it our anger towards someone may not affect that other person at all. It's only affecting us. It can destroy us from the inside in a lot of ways. And so it says, be careful before the sun goes down. Do not let the sun sit on your anger. And in other words, deal with it. Not deal with it in meaning put up with it. No, proactively do something about it. And it says why. It says because we've got to think about anger strategically. We've got we to have a strategy with anger. It says, the scripture will say this, like Satan roars around like a roaring lion, roams around like a roaring lion looking for those who he can devour. And I think about that in terms of our marriages and our relationships. It's that it, like, if there is an enemy, which I, I do believe there is an enemy, and, and he does want to come in, and he wants to come into our marriages, and he wants to come into our relationships, and he wants this bitterness and unforgiveness to, to, to keep uh, like festering among us. And it says, be strategic, just as strategic as he might be. Do not give the devil a foothold. Don't give him a place to, to get on top of you. Me and my... Uh, my two little ones at home, we have this weird game. They kind of originated it. I just got suckered into it, where they'll have me make like different forms with my body, and then they try to climb to the top of my head, like try to get on top. And there's, there's different stages. Like, this is the most difficult. Like, that one's impossible. Like, like they can do it, but, but, but then there's this one where they get a little bit of a foothold. Then there's, there's, these, there's all these, I'm not gonna do all the poses for you. Like, you're not my kids. Um, but little Pip, she'll like try to figure out, how can I get on top of this guy? And there's always this moment, like, like in whatever, whatever form I'm doing at that moment, where I, I know that she knows this, that the moment she can get to my belt loop, she's got it. 
the moment her foot is right there, she's got it. She's got a, she's got a foothold. And I thought about that in terms of, of anger and, and, and the ways in which the, the enemy can try to get into our marriages and try to get into our homes and try to get into all of our relationships. It's like, it's like the, the moment you get anger, angry and then unforgiving and then you start having all of these nighttime conversations with this person. Nighttime meaning they're not even there. You're just having them in your head. Any of you else do this? Like you've won so many arguments in your head. You've been the most brilliant, logical person in your head. And if, if only other people could get into your head and have that conversation, they'd realize just how right you are in the midst of it. Am I the only one who has these? Um, you guys are making me feel like I'm the only one, but I'm not. I know I'm not. It says, do not let the devil get a foothold. And so what do we do? Well, I think we have to learn to express ourselves constructively. God, help me to construct. God, help me to build, not destroy. Anger. Anger can bring destruction. And you've probably felt it. As a human being, you've probably felt it. Anger can bring destruction. Not just to all the people around us, but to us as well. And sometimes the thing about destruction is it's, it's fast and it's fun. I was thinking about, I was thinking about sandcastles. I don't, I don't know where this comes from. Or Legos when someone's building something or building blocks. There is something, and I, I would say it's just in two or four-year-olds, but maybe also in 45-year-olds when someone is building something, there's this little thing of, oh, it'd be fun to destroy this. Again, am I the only one or am I just showing my hands too much? Like, like I don't do it. I'm old enough now that I realize I'm not, I, I should not destroy this little kid's sandcastle. But there's something in me that says, man, that would be kind of fun. I don't know why. I don't know where that comes from. I watch it in two-year-olds. I watch it in four-year-olds. It pops up in 45-year-olds. But, but somewhere along the line, you, you start to realize that destruction, though fun for a moment has all kinds of ramifications, all kinds of other things. And so how do I respond to anger? Is okay. How am I going to take this and do something constructive by it? So Ephesians, it'll go on to, to talk about some other stuff that um, for a while sounds, seems like a sidestep, but I'm not so sure that it is because it's talking about how do we be this community with each other? How do we deal with our anger with each other? Because we're going to be angry with each other. And how do we deal with it? How do we not react to it, but respond out of who we are, this new creation in, in Christ? And so this is what it goes on to say. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Again, we're, we're seeking to be the community that God has called us to be, uh, but must work doing something useful with their own hands. See, Stop being destructive in your relationships, but instead figure out how you can be constructive. Start working with your hands so that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk, this is what happens in our anger, right? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Oh, there's other people who have needs. It's not just about me anymore. There's other people that have needs. And so help me to speak and, and to live constructively for their, their needs that it might benefit those who listen. And so all of a sudden you start to say, okay, I have these moments of anger, but let me express myself constructively in the midst of it. 
Now, I understand that that can flow very fastly out of my mouth. And I recognize that it can be very difficult to put into practice. And so what are some ways we can, what should I do when I feel angry? You're like, okay, what do I do? Very practical, what do I do when I feel angry? Well, do something useful. Do something useful. There's that weird part. There's this weird, weird, it's like where Paul like, takes this side turn. He's like, anyone who's not working should work so that they can provide for those in need. And you're like, what does that have to do with anger? Well, you can see it crop up sometimes. If you're mad at your boss, you may not work as hard. Or, or you're like at work, you're like, oh, they owe me this. And so you take home extra staples. I don't know. I don't know if you need a staple at your house. Uh, there, there can be these moments where, where your anger, in fact, can bring about results. And so he says, okay, bring bad results. And says, well, what do I do when I'm angry? Okay, I'm going to do something useful. I'm going to do something that actually blesses someone. I'm going to do something that actually blesses someone who has a need. And so I'm mad at my, I'm mad at my wife. I'm mad at my husband. Okay, how can, I, how can I do something constructive that will be a blessing to them? You're like, I don't want to be a blessing to them right now because they have wronged me. They're in the wrong. I'm in the right. And then I think about Jesus who died for me, um, who went to the cross and was beaten and spat upon and like, well, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. It's like, which dog is gonna, which dog is gonna lead? Am I gonna let my emotions lead or am I gonna let my identity lead? You see, Paul will end some of this section by saying, be imitators of God, therefore. Like, I don't know if I want to do something constructive. And, and, and what, would, what would Jesus do in the midst of it? He says, no, I, I will do something constructive in the midst of it. And so I'm going to, to seek to bless someone. I'm going to bless my wife. I'm going to bless my husband. I'm going to bless my sister. I'm going to bless my... I mean, you fill in the blank of whoever it might be. I'm going to choose to bless and do something constructive. And then he says, watch your words. Nah, that gets us in trouble, doesn't it? Don't let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth. And so often we talk about that in terms of swearing and cussing, and I get that. Um, but it's all in the context of our relationships with each other. Instead, speak towards the benefit of someone else. Man, that is so hard when you're mad at them. I get it. That is so hard when you're mad at them and frustrated with them. But speak what is beneficial to their needs. God, help us to be constructive in our anger. God, it is so easy for us to be destructive in our anger. It is so easy for our anger to very quickly turn into sin and give the devil a foothold over our lives and start to bring all of these problems into our relationships that don't need to be there, Lord. Lord, help us to be set free from these things. And then lastly, you've got to empty your trash. You've got to get rid of stuff. I want to say this, he'll say, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Instead, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of all anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. You've got to take out the trash. At our house, there's a trash can and sometimes it gets too filled and I get a little angry because I don't, not everyone in the family understands that you can't keep stacking trash on top of trash past the top of the bin. 
this get anybody else? You're like, what, what kind of world are we living in? Like, it's not all going to fit. And so I'll get a little frustrated, and I'll pull the trash out, and I'll set it aside, and tie it up, and set it aside, but I don't take it out. And then I get mad. I get mad, like, am I the only one who can take out the trash in the house? Anybody else feel it? Am I, am I the only one? And, and so I can be mad about that for quite a while, and all of a sudden there's this foothold, and, and people are climbing on my, my belt buckle, trying to get on, I don't have a belt buckle, on my belt. And then, and, and then I'm like, well, what should I do in this situation? I probably should take out the trash. Get rid of it. Get rid of all bitterness and anger and all that stuff that you're holding on to. You see, I believe, I, I believe when, when Jesus said that he came to set us free, that he came to set us free. Sometimes I go to our town dump and, and people have brought their trash and there's like this treasure area. And I'm like, ooh, I think I might need that in my house. And I realize that we do that sometimes with our emotions, too. Sometimes in the way we react with our anger, we saw something in our, in, in our home growing up, and you're like, oh, that's how you react to anger. I think I'm going I'm to take that home with me, too. This is how Dad responded. This is how Mom responded. I think I'll, I'll take someone else's trash into my house. What in the world are we doing? He says, no, get rid of it. It's hard, because we, we learned it. We learned it by watching it, maybe in a lot of ways, but you've got to get rid of it to be set free. Um, it's, not on the, it's not on the slide, but as we come into communion, I wanted to read verse 32. And I'll just say it. It says, be kind. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just, just as in Christ God forgave us. You see, when I think about anger, I think about, I think about God and how I've how I've wronged him. I've done some stupid stuff. I've made some bad decisions on the way. All of my emotions can get a hold of, of me and take control. And, and God saw this prodigal son and he opened his arms and he invited me back into him, himself and said, no, you, my grace is enough for you. But now, he says to me, now you're a new creation. To be made into the image of your, made into the image of Jesus. And so now we, we get to, we get to forgive. We get to let go of that anger. Judas was in the upper room as Jesus was having a meal with his disciples. Judas, the one who would betray him. And Jesus washed his feet. So fast to destroy, so easy to destroy, and yet Jesus decides to wash feet. And that's what grace is. grace is. Grace is what God has done for us in the midst of our mess. And grace is now what flows through us to other people. And so we celebrate on every Sunday the grace that we've experienced in Jesus we take to our King. We take the juice to our king. Will you stand with me? So we're at the end of the series, and we've been talking a lot about feelings and emotions, and 
again, I, I acknowledge that, that they, they are there. And all I would say is that you don't have to stay there. And if you want to, to leave today free of that, I know that Jesus can set you free from that, but sometimes talking to someone else, sometimes voicing it to someone or asking for prayer, and it can, can bring reality to the thoughts that we have and, and have something tangible. And so if there's someone um, who would need prayer, if, if any of you need prayer, Lori and Dan are up here and They'd be more than willing to pray with you about any of those things that you might be going through. If today's the day that you want to take Jesus into your life and God has been stirring on your heart or is stirring on your heart now to be baptized into him, to be that new creation, that invitation is always here every Sunday to, to take Jesus as your Lord. And so during these next couple songs or after the service or whenever, um, if that's the decision that you would like to make, we'd love to, to have you join this new community, this new family, this new thing that God is doing in this world. We all pray with me. God, the word that comes to my mind is release. And Lord, I pray for everyone here. Whatever we're holding on to, whatever's got a hold of us, Lord, may we know that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is at work. And so, Lord, I pray for release. I pray that you break the chains of anger, I pray that you break the chains of depression. I pray that you break the chains of fear and anxiety. And that we can know the freedom that is the reality that Jesus has given. And that we might be able to walk in it. It's your name we pray. done to us dead in the 
Deep. Who knows that? 